You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. See, I've seen people, unfortunately, more than once in 30 years of ministry that intend to reach out to someone for the Lord, but instead get pulled down by the very person they're looking to lead to Christ. Listen carefully. That's why I'm not at all, and I think Scripture backs my conviction up, I'm not at all for missionary dating. Oh, he'll come to church with you. He might even claim to be a Christian, but there's nothing about his life says that you've heard the term don't be yoked together with an unbeliever it's something that the bible teaches when it comes to marriage but it also applies to your dating relationships god intends for an intimate relationship to be built on the same beliefs the same spiritual foundation he never wanted it to be a fight for who's right when it comes to worldly living versus righteous living today pastor danny will remind you to cling to jesus as you live as an example of him not letting the world pull you down Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Jude, chapter 1, with today's edition of The Living Word. One of the most fascinating things about this little epistle is the person God chose to pen it. Jude, short for Judas, and of course not Judas Iscariot, Jude was one of the four brothers of Jesus, the children that Joseph and Mary had after Christ. And two gospel writers tell us about those children. Mark chapter 6 verse 3 gives the names of his uh, brothers, as does the gospel of Matthew. What's incredible is none of his brothers believed that he was the Messiah. As a matter of fact, they mocked him. They spoke sarcastically to him about him uh, wanting to be a public figure in the world. What was it that made such a difference in them? Because they all became uh, ministers of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 5 tells us that they even traveled sharing the gospel. We know from the book of Acts that James, uh, one of the brothers, became Uh, a leader in the early church in Jerusalem, probably senior pastor, a lot of scholars believe, of the church in Jerusalem. And that's fascinating because uh, they didn't believe in Jesus. What made the difference? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, what I received, Paul says, I passed on to you uh, of first importance that Christ died according to the scriptures, that he was buried according to the scriptures, and that he was raised again the third day according to the scriptures. Folks, that's the gospel. It is the only message that'll change somebody's life. It is the only message that'll save somebody's soul. It wasn't Jesus's witness in terms of his person that made a difference to his brothers. He was the perfect human being. No, it was his death, burial, and resurrection 
That's what made a difference in his brother's lives. That's the only message that'll make a difference in anybody's life in terms of salvation. Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. That's why we have to do more than just be nice and, and, and be uh, good in terms of being like Christ. Uh, no, we have to tell people the gospel the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, they won't be saved any other way. That's the only message that will save their soul. Only one. Jude intended to write about the salvation that we share, but as he picked up his pen, the Holy Spirit changed his mind. And he tells us, verse 3, although I was very eager to write about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Because people had slipped into the church that were not submitted to Christ. They were living immoral lives. They were irreverent. They were selfish. They were grumblers and fault finders because they didn't live by faith. And Jude warns the church about people in the church that don't know Christ, or if they do know Christ, they're not living for Christ. Verse 19, these are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Remember, we mentioned last week, I'll say it again, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. They would throw the wheat up in the air the wind would blow the chaff away. So what that meant, practically speaking, is what Satan wanted to do is separate Peter from integral fellowship with genuine, committed believers. And if he can get us away from the true grain, he's got us. One more verse and then Jude. Romans chapter 16. Verse 17, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they, flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Stay away from them. It's very clear. Now back in Jude, verse 20. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. That's a good place to say amen. Now, this is interesting because while there are some people we need to stay away from, at the same time, there are people we need to reach out to reach out to with truth. And yet we need to be careful and we need to be wise. Three types of people are mentioned in verses 22 and 23. First, uh, be merciful to those who doubt. These are people who are the most likely to respond when we share truth with them. And that's why we deal with them with great mercy. It's interesting. Uh, on the whole, 
Jesus blasted the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. You read Matthew 23, it's a blistering message. He calls them hypocrites. He calls them snakes. He calls them whitewashed tombs. I mean, blistering. Uh, Because they were leading people astray. And yet they were religious. But now while he blasted them as a whole, remember John chapter 3. It's in that personal encounter with a a Pharisee, a, a leader named Nicodemus. And Jesus, if you read the encounter, was very merciful. I mean, we get our famous verse, John 3, 16, from that personal encounter with Nicodemus, the woman at the well. I mean, what mercy. Jesus asked her for a drink. She's a Samaritan woman in that culture. Samaritans and Jews didn't have any dealings with one another. She says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan, yet you asked me for a drink. And Jesus says, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you'd ask him for a drink and he'd give you living water. She says, "Ah, okay, give me this living water. He says, okay, go call your husband first. I don't have a husband. No, you've had five. And the one you're with is not your husband. And he confronts her with truth. She goes back into the town and says, says to everybody, I met a guy who tells me everything I ever did. And the whole town comes out to hear Jesus. And she gets saved and the whole town gets saved, basically. Amazing. Jesus knew their heart. And we need to be wise and careful. And there's some, and, and you know, you don't always know, but there's some we treat with special mercy to those who doubt. They're the most susceptible. They're the most likely to respond to the tr- to truth. Then the second is snatch others from the fire and save them. And this is the picture of the person, and they're right over the precipice of hell. And they could go any minute. I think this would include people who are severe drug addicts, alcoholics. Because that kind of lifestyle, guess what? They're not going to live a full life. We need to get to them as soon as possible. We need to share the gospel with them. These are people that are outright rebels, and it's obvious to everybody they're rebellion. And if they continue on in that, that path, that path, they're probably not going to live long. Snatch them from the fire. Get the message of the gospel to them as soon as possible. All of us have probably family members like that. We need to get the gospel to them as fast as we can. And then the third is very interesting. To others show mercy mixed with fear hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. In other words, keep our perspective that the one here, the third type, we're looking to reach out to, we need to make sure we're not tempted by whatever sin they're involved in. Whatever it is, it's the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. You see, I've seen people, unfortunately, more than once in 30 years of ministry that intend to reach out to someone for the Lord, but instead get pulled down by the very person they're looking to lead to Christ. Listen carefully. That's why I'm not at all, and I think Scripture backs my conviction up, I'm not at all for missionary dating. Oh, he'll come to church with you. He might even claim to be a Christian, but there's nothing about his life that says that. As a matter of fact, if he's going to take you to bed, there's something wrong. Getting awful quiet, isn't it? Oh, she'll come to church with you. But what about her life? Really says she knows the Lord. And maybe you know they don't know the Lord. But you're going to lead them to Christ and bring them to church. And then all of a sudden you find out instead of reaching them, they reached you. Here's what Paul writes in Galatians. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself. 
or you also may be tempted. Now, since we're so susceptible, all of us, including myself, to being led astray, uh, to drifting away, uh, we need to do the other thing the text says. What is that? Verse 20. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Build yourselves up. Build yourselves up. Now, uh, I feel a little odd every time I mention this, and I, I'm, not, I'm, just giving, I'm just using this as an illustration, all right? Uh, I try to eat healthy, all right? I also exercise regularly. Every birthday, every single birthday, and I've had 57 of them now, exercising is less, less of an enjoyment for me. I, I enjoy it less. It takes incredible discipline. I mean, some days I go to do it, and that's everything within me saying, just go to Bush Gardens and squirt people or something, you know. Don't go do that. Just go have fun. But when I was younger, I actually enjoyed exercising. Now I do it as a discipline because I like health. I like to be fit as much as I can, as much as I can uh, control that. And listen, if I stopped eating healthy and I stopped exercising, guess what? It would affect me physically. I wouldn't be in the kind of shape I'm in if I stopped doing those things. Folks, it's the same spiritually. Now, let me note something before we go on. Verse 24 of Jude, to him who is able to keep you from falling, present you before his glorious presence. Jude opened up, and here's what he said, uh, middle of verse 1, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by God. Jesus Christ. Let me read one more verse. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. The middle of the verse, I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard or other translations say to keep what I've entrusted to him on that day. Why do I read those verses? Because we need to understand there is something about our salvation and parts of our salvation that I have no responsibility over. Uh, first of all, saving myself. I can't save myself. God saved me. Can't change myself. God changed me. So there are things about our salvation uh, that God is completely responsible for, all right? And he's going to be faithful with that. Then there are other things about our salvation and our faith uh, that we are responsible for. These are the things that Jude is ending with here. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. That's my responsibility. When I go to work out, I have a plan. I walk. I, I can't really jog these days. I do some fake jogging, but I walk and I have a certain amount of miles I want to do every time I go out. I have a routine when I, I pick up the weights and I know how many repetitions I'm going to do. And then I'm going to go on to the next thing and I know what I'm going to do. And, and, I, and I have this exercise routine and it pays off. If you do it regularly, you're more fit. Now, it's the same spiritually. If we don't exercise spiritually, you're never going to get spiritually fit. and You're never going to stay spiritually fit. It's the same thing. And here's the thing about spiritual exercise and spiritual training. Physical training is of some value. Some people misquote this verse and say physical training is of no value. That's not what the Bible says. It's of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Much more important in my life to exercise spiritually than it is physically. Much more important. Now, this next part of spiritual exercise, most of us are going to know. If you've been around church for very long at all where they teach the Bible, you're going to go, oh, I know this one. But here's the deal. You may know it, but are you doing something about it? That's the real question. 
You know, I can sit around, I can study about exercise, and I can study, and I can tell you everything about, you know, how far you need to walk or how much exercise you need to do or how many repetitions this, whatever, and if you do that, I can talk about that all I want. If I don't do it, it makes no difference. To know it doesn't make a difference. To do it, that's what makes a difference. And here's one essential for spiritual exercise. Essential, the Word of God. Now, this is not rocket science. And again, most of us go, oh, yeah, oh, okay, keep going. I know that. Yeah, but are we doing something about it? Jesus said every day has enough evil of its own. Every day. In the prayer, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's the Lord's pattern of prayer. He laid it down for us. Give us this day, this day, our daily bread. Look, I need, I need the word every single day of my life, every day. And that's my goal in life. Do I read the word every single day? Have I read the word every single day since I became a Christian? No. But that's my goal. Do I walk as many miles every week that I want to do in my physical exercise routine? No. But that's my goal. That's my goal. Listen. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If I really believe that, then I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting the word, the word, the word, the word. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I'm going to build myself up in my most holy faith, got to have the word. Sanctify them, Jesus said, by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify it, set apart, and so that you can grow. Set apart unto the Lord to be built up unto him. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. That's daily, daily steps and long-term direction. Know where I'm headed. Psalm 119, verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Before I was married, I uh, had a couple of roommates and uh, a couple of other friends. We used to meet I think it, the max was, there was six of us at one point, and every, I think it was every Monday night. Anyway, every one, one night a week, we'd meet together, and we'd memorize scripture. We'd memorize whole chapters in the Psalms and whole chapters of the Bible, like five verses at a time. And you had all week to learn like five verses, and I'd take a three-by-five card around with me, and I'd have the five verses uh, written there. Sometimes I'd have the whole thing, you know, written out. And throughout the day, throughout the day, take a break and look at it. Look at it and read it. Read it. And then try to say it and read it. And you just keep doing that over and over again. Let me tell you something. It's a whole lot easier to memorize scripture when you're young. It's a whole lot easier. If you're young, I don't know if I'm young. Well, if you're younger than me, you're, you're doing good. But it's a whole lot easier to memorize scripture when you're young. I encourage you. Get those three-by-five cards. Find a couple of Christian friends and say, hey, let's meet together and let's memorize Scripture together. Because then, like I say, the more sword you got in your sheath, the more weapon you got in your hand. And as I'm going through the day, these Scriptures that I've read and that I've memorized, they, the Holy Spirit brings them to my mind when I need them. Tremendous. Tremendous. I got things lodged in here that, you know, that I memorized in the King James Version. And even though I read them in the NIV, when I think about them, it's King James. But that's okay. Paul said, now I commit to you, to, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. 
Let me read you this one, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen, before I finish the message, if you'll make a decision right now. If you'll make a decision and follow through on it, it'll revolutionize your Christian life. It will revolutionize your Christian life. If you'll make a decision that I'm going to decide what time and start tomorrow, start today. But I encourage you to make a regular habit of starting in the morning with the word. I need the word before I go into the day. Not after I've been out in the world of evil all day, you know. Every day has enough evil of its own. I need to go into the battle with the word. And that should be the goal, I believe. And I, I could give a lot of scripture uh, to back that up. And Jesus, as an example, he got up often uh, up early in the morning and went away to a solitary place. Get you a Bible reading plan. Is it wrong to just say, okay, Lord, lead me, and you open and say, okay, this is what I'm going to read today? Not necessarily, but if that's the habit, that's probably not a good deal. Because, you know, you want to get a plan, and you want to go through the whole Word of God. Now, as you do that, let me give you this one. Like newborn babes, Peter says, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. If you're a, a brand new Christian, unless you're just an unusual you're the exception, you're going to read, and there are going to be things you read, and you just go, I got nothing out of that. I don't even know what that means. But you're a baby. We didn't bring any of our kids home and, uh, and, and take them into the kitchen, you know, hold them and say, now here's the, here's the pantry, and here's your food, and when you get, you know, hungry, you, no, no. We got to change that kid's diaper. We got to put a bottle in there repeatedly, and we got to feed that child. Young Christians, young Christians, while you should right away start to read the word on a regular basis, with that said, with that said, you're going to need to be bottle fed until you can grow. So what you do, not only, not only read the word on your own, if you receive from particular teachers, if you receive from my teaching, then get recordings of me or podcasts or something like that. And, and in the morning or on your way to work, in the car or whatever, you know, listen to it. Listen to it. Uh, you can get, even get things where people will just read Scripture to you. But if we really want to do it, we can get Scripture into us every single day, every day. And if you'll make a decision to do that and follow through on it, revolutionize your Christian life. I promise you. God promises you. Revolutionize your Christian life. The Word of God. Essential for building myself up in my most holy faith. Now, second... Pray in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Pray in the Holy Spirit. I got some fresh, I think, revelation from the Lord on this. At least for me it was. And I'll just pass it on to you and, and you can decide. Uh, but what is praying in the Holy Spirit? I think praying in the Holy Spirit first is uh, be, becoming sensitive. And we grow in this. Being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Uh, for example, I asked the meeting last night at church uh, last night here at church and I was amazed at how many hands went up I probably shouldn't have been surprised but how many of you uh, just out of nowhere someone has popped into your mind and you go why in the world am I thinking about them how many that just popped into your mind you see look how many hands you see what that is most likely that's most likely the prompting of the Holy Spirit to pray for that person it's happened to me a number of times over the years and sometimes I've actually called the person after I prayed for them and I, and I said, you know, I just don't know what it is. You just popped into my mind, and uh, I just was, I've just been praying for you. And sometimes they live totally, you know, miles, some hundreds of miles away. And so many times, so many times when I get a hold of them, they will say, 
well, I can't believe that you're praying for me. And then they'll tell you what's going on in their life. And then you know that was the Holy Spirit prompting me, prompting me, putting them on my mind. You've been listening to The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Sometimes life circumstances can hit hard, and they can leave us wondering where God is. Not only that, they can leave us wondering if He's even real at all. But rest assured, the Lord never leaves or forsakes. And most importantly, He is the truth. Are you wrestling with your faith today? There's strength in lifting one another up in prayer, and we'd be honored to do that for you. Send us an email at info at ccf. S-T-P-E-T-E dot church. That's info at C-C-F S-T-P-E-T-E dot church. Would you also pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and our ideas second. His guidance is what we need. Would you pray that we'd recognize His voice always? Thanks for praying. If you don't already have a church home and you live in or near St. Petersburg, we'd love to be that for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship invite you to join us for our weekend services. Check out ccfstpete.church for the latest service times or to find out how you can join us online if you're not in the area. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us again next time to hear another message from this study in the book of Jude right here on The Living Word.